You're listening to Welcome back to First of All, a podcast and a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, love, and modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and you are here at episode 10, which is crazy. It's a milestone. I didn't think I could get here. No, I did. I knew I'd get here. It's cool. But um, I'm so excited to be here with all of you. Um, thank you for everyone who's been listening thus far. And uh Thank you for all the lovely comments for the Hurricane Harvey episode, episode nine. I hope that you guys are uh, contributing and figuring out a way to help out. And it's crazy right now because currently in this, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this episode, but in this present day, we're dealing with multiple hurricanes. Um, we're kind of in the middle of a lot. So there's more to assist others with. So just putting that out there, hope we're keeping each other uh, safe and warm and helping out where we can. But uh, welcome to First of All, and we have a very special featured guest today, or this week, and I'm so excited. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, we have a featured guest and featured topic each week, and then have an IMO segment, in my opinion, where the guest and I give our advice, our opinions, on a certain question provided by a listener. So we will have a really great conversation today. I'm I'm 110% sure about it. And here goes nothing to introduce my guest, who is an amazing person, entrepreneur, and chef. (laughs) Amazing chef. I was on Top Chef, by the way. Two seasons runner-up. Amazing chef, Shirley Chung. Hi, 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 everybody. Hi. Hi, Minji. How are you doing? Good. I'm glad you're here because... I was supposed to be in Miami right now. You're supposed to be in Miami and you're not, and thank God. Yes. Otherwise, I would be stranded in Miami because of Hurricane uh, Irma, 100%. Yeah. so it worked out right on time yes. that you could you could stay here and um it's been a, it's just kind of been a crazy week and I actually don't again I do this where I have a featured guest and a featured topic my featured topic this week is you <laughs> just because you're an amazing person and you have an amazing career in life um and I don't know what to title it I let the title come to me after we record okay <laughs> but um I kind of just wanted to catch up with you because we've been able to work together I got to meet you in July so it's been mm-hmm. like a, almost a couple months yep and um in that time been able to work with you on my project for the Asian cart video where you turned a bottom feeder muddy, like, you know, bad rep fish into a delicacy. <laughs> it's bad rep. It's, it's bad not, rep. The fish itself is really great. The fish is amazing. You're going to see this video where we worked on this together. But um, you just had such an amazing life and career. And I love all your thoughts and how free, free speaking you are. That's really what I wanted to do with this podcast is... Just get opinions out there, including mine. I'm very opinionated. That's 100%. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we're friends. <laughs> yep. And, um, and yeah. we click off the bat. Right. right. Literally within five sec- uh, five minutes, we're like, okay, let's do this project together. Yeah. Like, okay. And we're doing the whole like, let's be friends. It was really, really <laughs> fun. Um, and so I remember just one of our conversations, and it's come up quite a bit. You know, you've had this amazing um, career that's like came out of kind of not no out of nowhere it's who you are who you've been so i kind of wanted to introduce you to the to the listeners um i know you have a lot of fans <laughs> the last time we hung out there's a random australian guy who walked <laughs> up to us and was like i'm such a huge fan of you <laughs> and that was cool we we're just trying to like eat and chill um but before that you're kind of explaining to me how you you turned careers and like you know you're, you're there's so many things your career changed you're an immigrant from China, your family is really crazy in a great way. Um, you know, you're a woman in a very male-driven industry. industry. All of that. So I kind of, if we can, I want to touch on all those things. Okay, just I'll do a like super short. Or I try to do a super short, brief introduction about myself. Yes. Um, born, raised in Beijing, China, um, and then I was born into like kind of like a political, not necessarily a political fa- political family, but a family that's very into changes, revolutions, and then something very welcome to the new. So my great grandfather, he was a revolutionist and scholar from the Qing Dynasty, and uh, he kind of ended the. Ch- Ho Qing Dynasty Emperor. Um, so uh, he, he did, you know. He did. So 
for him and his students uh, started a revolution, wrote letters to the emperor of Qing Dynasty, and then eventually that brought in the modern China because he's the one that brought in capitalism idea into uh, wow. Qing Dynasty. Um, and then that's my great grandfather. So my grandmother um, sort of followed his footstep, and uh, she was very vocal. And then the time that when she was in college, it was when J- Japan was invading China. Uh-huh. Uh, so she started this student revolution in Yanjing College. In, Yanjing University, so Beijing University. And then uh, from that, the whole series, she met my grandfather uh, through there. And then my grandfather is actually American, Chinese-American who was born in America. Wow. Well, his grandmother was the first, well, his mother was actually, my great-grandmother was the first Chinese-American female born in America. What? Yeah. So, so these I, are all the stars aligning. So I, I kind you. of, so my family kind of have this very deep history of Chinese American history, not just Chinese history. Yeah, and and uh, so my grandmother and my grandfather ended up uh, coming to Amer- escape to America. They finished their college degree in USC, and then my grandfather was a doctor, so he moved on to open his clinic in New York. My father and my aunt was all born in New York, but 1949 came around. My grandmother was, you know, she was early communist, joined the Communist Party, so she was very adamant about move the whole family back to China to contribute to New China. Mm. So. That's the whole family. Chang family moved back, and then my ten-year Cultural Revolution happened. My great grandfather got thrown in jail, so uh, because he hold a U.S. passport, so they accused him of being a spy. Wow! And then later on, he Movie got rescued. Premise. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So like all back then, a lot of different political things. So uh, ended up he went to Geneva uh, as the assistant director for uh, WHO. Wow! And then uh, but, for the WHO, I yeah. wanted to work at the WHO, who right? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then he was then uh, 1975 before I was born because I was born 76. Um, he was facing get sent back to China, so he made a decision of because he was really worried about the political environment. So he made a decision of running back to, like, pretty much escape back to America with wow. nothing. Wow. And then because of that, he had to cut off all the communication with my, my mom, who just married to my dad. And then um, grandmother and my grandmother never really forgave him. So it was like a big family drama, yeah. too. So I never knew my grandfather was alive until my grandmother passed away in 1988 and then my 1989 is a big thing happening in China is the Tiananmen massacre mm-hmm. so it's also student revolution again my dad was sort of a, a, like a technology star in China by then uh, Chinese government side um, he was leading the computer development all those sort of things but he vocally uh, supported students okay. so he got kicked out of communist party <laughs> 1989 oh and then uh, so he's like oh, guess what we're moving the whole family to America because he want me back then I was 13 he want me to have a better future education most importantly he want me to have freedom of choice so Love. so he moved to America first and then me and my mom moved to America in 1997 when I was 17 wow and then we moved to uh, the Bay Area and I finished high school there I finished college it's Cal State Hayward Cal State East Bay yeah East Bay now and then uh, and I sort of had a mini career in uh, Silicon Valley because my dad was uh, he was engineer he was into semiconductors so sort of he wanted me to take up that route and then uh, hopefully secure. take yeah. over and then you know but then like, I hated it uh, <laughs> couldn't stand but I did well like I can talk so I was uh, instead of being engineer or anything I, I chose a sales department at wow. high tech sales. Uh, so work for a lot of, um, but you, I'm a technology sales, so I need to know all the technology as well. So I work for a lot of large semiconductor company and startups, always hated it. So beginning of 2000, what a dot com boom busted, I was facing a crossroad of uh, take a pay cut, uh, do something that I hate, or figure out something that I always love. And I always love eating. Mm-hmm. and cooking <laughs> ever since I was a little kid yes. and then because my parents are career driven my mom was a doctor in China so I was never you know like um, so I kind of have to fend for myself in a way and same then, here uh, that's how I was too yeah because my mom my mom was a working woman so I'd, I started cooking when I was eight because she would be at work when I came home. Yeah, exactly the same way. So when I was in China, it was kind of okay because we have nannies and all those probably taken care of and I was just picky. So I just cook whatever I wanted to eat. But when we came to America, like 
then we're we're diff- we're different now. You know, we don't have the helps. And all of a sudden, like m- my mom's not really good at houseworks because she was a doctor. <laughs> but anyway, so and, but we, then, all, we all have different strengths. <laughs> but my so my parents started a company, so they're working towards their own. You know, they start brand new, so they've been working a lot. And then so I started to cook. And I always, before in China, I just make whatever random noodle, fried rice, all those sort of things that I saw my mother's side grandma make and, or my nanny makes. Uh, I just make it better. Uh, and then, <laughs> but when I came to America, there's like no Asian market around us. I don't know how to do with all those ingredients. So I started watching Food Network, Emerald, to learn how to utilize. You're an Emerald fan? Yes. Oh my God. Little girl. Yeah. So to learn, not little girl, but a teenager, to learn how to utilize American ingredients. So I start cooking for my parents. When I come home, so they always have hot meals, all those sort of things. And I really, really love to cook. So when I was working in Silicon Valley, like the thing that drive me the most is every single weekend I have house parties. And I do elaborate multiple courses, oh pastel d'oeuvres and drinks and all those sort of things. Just have all my friends come over. So my friend rather celebrate a birthday in my house because I would cook for them than yeah, go yeah. out. Like, let's go to Shirley's. Yeah. And then we also, because working in the Silicon Valley, so I have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So we would print out the list of top 100 restaurants in the Bay Area. And we just literally eat from one to 100. And so it was really great life. And then by the same time, that I also I party a lot when I'm working in the Silicon Valley. Hey. We bought a lot of shoes and always changing cars. And at the same time, I always feel like like wasting my life away in a sense and mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what's my goal so when I was cr- facing a crossroad at my my startup I joined a startup company and then it was wasting away we couldn't get our funding to IPO and then um that time that I was already with my husband he was my boy was my he was my boyfriend he had very successful business going and then he literally looked at me and go don't you want to do something that you actually love instead of sitting here wasting your life away I love that yeah I love so. that love is like a good such a great influence I love hearing those stories <laughs> So without, Jimmy. so without telling my parents, yeah. I went to check out culinary school in San Francisco after watching the commercial on TV. And literally 30 minutes walking in, I was like, oh, my God, the aroma and then all the song and then all the like everybody, even their uniform. Like, I'm like, I don't know why now I really don't like, but I was like, oh, my God, envy everything about it. So I signed myself up and then I went that to day? that day. Yeah. Lo- Wait, would you go to CCA? I went to CCA in San Francisco. Oh, I love it. Not this am- anymore. They're closing why because Le Cordon Bleu ruined everything I actually went to so that was a funny story when I was in I <laughs> when I was in Paris I was in Paris uh, 2005 mm-hmm. and I went to Le Cordon I sought it out mm-hmm. and it's a tiny school the main one that I went to in Paris was like it wasn't a huge school it's different yeah and it was it smelled I know what you're talking about because it smelled like heaven yeah you the, like, the moment you walk in the like, bread the pastry yeah the roasting of yeah the brown butter the chicken oh my, oh god. my god it was amazing I was like I'm not leaving here ever yeah. I still have my cookbook I bought one there <laughs> And that's why my little brother, who's now in the military, I really wanted him to be a chef. Huh? So I bought him a little uh, chef hat from Le Cordon Bleu. <laughs> he was with me at the time. Uh-huh. That's so crazy. So you made that decision and then you did that without obviously telling your parents. And that's honestly a lot of the Asian. I mean, I, I know that it's a very universal issue of like, how do you um, deal with your parents? And that's nothing that's just super special. But the intensity with Asian parents is, you know, it's the stereotype and the stereotype is there mm-hmm. for a reason. It's It's really like... I, I when I was entertaining the idea of doing acting and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I was having a heart attack. It, I I felt ill. Like I was so scared to tell my dad, especially my dad. My mom, I felt was like you know fifteen twenty percent better, but I was still so terrified. No, I didn't tell them until like literally I was starting school. <laughs> And actually, I started school because also I was like, what if I hate it? And I told them and they get mad, you know, so I was like, I need to make sure that I actually love it. How long was that time? So the time you signed up to when did you start? Three months. Okay. So you kept it a secret. Well, I went to China. So (laughs) So I I mean, I went on vacation because I I got a seven package and all those sort of things. So before I start school again, Mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't really enjoy college. I mean, like if college was fine, but I was. What did you major in? I was majoring in business. Okay. Business admit. But then that's after like I changed major three times because 
I was supposed to follow my mom's footsteps to be a pre-med, like every any other Asian kid. And then I couldn't pass chemistry. I don't know why. Now I love chemistry, but before, just the timetable. Like, who wants to remember (laughs) the element table? (laughs) Like, seriously. Like, chemistry is so fun, and that thing literally just killed all the fun. That's very true. Yeah, so literally, I couldn't pass chemistry because I don't want to study, like, memorize things. And then, so, like... Memorizing things is bio, actually. Like, that's that's the funny thing, because I was realizing my brain at Berkeley, I was like, I was on the med track, and I was like, oh, I love science. And then I, I met chemistry, like hardcore chemistry. I was like, fuck this. Yep, exactly. No. Yeah, so so with that, and then my dad says, like, fine, engineer, you're really good at math. Yeah, I'm like super stereotypical type. Like I'm re- I was really good at math. And then, and then I find it very boring. So I was like, no, dad. And then they got frustrated. They're just like, fine, just at least get a degree. I was like, okay, I'll get a business admit. <laughs> so that's what happens. Uh, but I spent majority of my college time partying. <laughs> no, because I came here when I was 17. So when you first came, you I, I'm very outgoing, but I was really reserved because language barrier. Mm-hmm. So literally one, by the time it's 18, 19, and finally I can speak the language. And I feel like, you know, just so much more fun. I want to check out. Because you want to meet people. I mean, but I yeah. feel like you have such an energetic, you have such a good energy about you that I can't imagine you having a hard time, but I also understand like having those barriers, like just feeling very self-conscious and not being able to communicate. Mm-hmm. That would be so hard to like, hey, let's be friends. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. How? Yep. You know, that's that's really t- so. But like, again, that's very telling of like your character because you're you're such a strong force that you're like, well, I'll just figure it out. It's cool. <laughs> just to give me, give me, give me like, a, give me a second. I'll figure this shit out. Which is what you did. You know, yep. how long did it take you to kind of master? Feel like you got a hang of ang- of English? I can't even speak English. Well, right no, I, I still, I don't feel I get a hang of English, but like. Your the bird. point that I'm not afraid to speak is more like I'm not afraid to speak. Like I still make mistake on vocabularies or pronunciations and stuff. I don't care. Yeah, but you came at 17. You know what I mean? Like I don't know some like in Korea. My mom was on my podcast and she was talking about how they get educated in English from a very very young age. Mm-hmm. But then also she was also noting like yeah you get introduced to the language, but when you're speaking it it's and very it's different. very different yep. when you're using it. Same thing as like me taking French. And then going to France, I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of times. Also, I don't, I, I don't understand because growing up, we, I kind of school kind of teach English, English, yeah. British English. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, like I'm lucky because when I was young, my grandmother like teach me English songs, so English has never sound that foreign to me. Yeah. But at the same time, that I just feel like my Chinese is really good, and then even till now, my Chinese writing is, is very articulate, and I love writing Mm -hmm. but i still cannot do the same in my english as my chinese so got it but um no but also you're incredibly good at english so talking gotta get yeah but but that's i mean (laughs) but that's kind of like in your medium then you just get an assistant like hey i need to say this figure oh totally totally this is what jimmy's coming in right now i was like hey so this email that i want to phrase like this but can you? Would you please make it like super prof- professional for me? He's like, okay. <laughs> oh, this is, I love. Okay, so I got to meet your husband that first day I met you. I kind of want to know, not kind of. I really want to know how did you guys meet and so fall we, in love. We met in uh, in Silicon well in Silicon Valley. He was my mutual friend, and then we met at uh, airport. He was actually based in LA. We met at airport for us to a group of us picking him up. A group of friends from El- airport of San Jose so we can go party in San Francisco. <laughs> it was like a long weekend, Labor Day or something like that. So we scheduled a whole whole weekend of like clubbing, partying in San Francisco, like 10 Where did you go clubbing? We used to go 1015. 1015 Folsom? Used to. Not anymore. I used to go there. <laughs> Many years. Wow. <laughs> So we might back in the day. I mean, I was I was a club rat. It's not the same anymore. The funny thing is because I was a total partier, but I feel like I feel like a kind of a half partier because I don't drink. But I loved going clubbing and I loved getting dressed up and I loved going dancing. Yes, yes. I was always DD though. I was always DD. Even on my birthday, I was DD. Yes, majority of the time, I'm always DD too. Yeah, because I, nice. I have a lightweight. Nice, because I'm a lightweight. I'm drinking. So, so we I are can. the same. So yeah. surely we're the same person. Um, okay, so you guys met, and then you guys. How long did you guys date for before you got married? No, so we met, and then but I was with someone else. So oh, oh. so we're just we're, we're just a whole group friends. of friends. But then we got along off the bat. He's from Singapore, so this is. I, I always tell him it's like growing up in Beijing. Um, we you know like slowly in the 80s we start seeing some uh, soap operas from Singapore and yeah. I, I love Singapore guys because I always say oh they're so dreamy and you know like so, as a little girl <laughs> so I used to joke about that even to my Beijing friends I was I'm gonna marry somebody from Singapore 
Okay. But anyway, so but when I met him, it wasn't immediately attraction. But I just he's a, such a nice person that we start talking about food, and then he's t- talking about how like how his family love food and all that immediate connection. Yeah. And then uh, and then we went to sort of like we were working on the project together, so we all went to Vegas for a like a convention, and then uh, we were in, I still remember we we're in Bellagio having buffet and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was where all dreams come true. Yeah, and then there was like all you can eat desserts. One is like creme brulee with blueberries, and another yes. one is like a Ferrero Rocher, but in like a cup form. So it's like chocolate mousse layer with fouilletine and hazelnut. Oh, delicious! So me yeah, and I'm him starving right now. Yeah, so me and him literally like he noticed that I really liked that dessert, so he literally took everything so it's like six of each and put it on the table hey Shirley like I was like oh you notice so we start talking about food and next thing you know like we were in LA together and then all his friends was, oh your mom just came back from Singapore did she bring any good food because she always bring back roti which is the flatbread like yeah. they bring back from, yeah. all the way from Singapore oh we get seaweed and anchovies and stuff and, from Korea oh and kimchi I, and me ki- too me too so good <laughs> and then so so so, but he would tell his friends oh no I ran out right so after all his friends left and he's like came up to me go hey Shirley, I just want to let you know you never taste it, but it's my favorite. My mom made curry, and then there's uh, roti, which is a flatbread. And then he's like, I'm going to bring some for you to, to eat. So I t- told him later on in my life that I was like, from that point, I knew you had a crush on me. He said, no, I did not. I was like, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, you bring me your mom's curry. with special. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then you told all your friends that you grew up with, you know, for 20 years that you don't have any food. And then you just met me a few months in and you already, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, you knew. But he's girls like, no, know. girls yeah. know. He's like, no, I just feel that you really appreciate it. That's why I want to bring it to you. I was like, no. When did you guys then move from that that phase to like being in love? A year like, later. Oh, a year later. Okay. A year later is also because we're always, so I joke about it. I was like, you're like my brother because we get on so long. He said, no, I don't want to be your brother. But before I was just like, why are you so mean? He said, no, I'm not your brother. Don't call me brother. I'm not your brother. <laughs> He didn't want to be bros. Yes, exactly. But I didn't understand that. I was like, okay, fine. But so we we're always friendly. And then until like I broke up with my ex boyfriend, and then my ex boyfriend sent him to talk to me, tried to talk me back to him. And then so we the ended up movement. Exactly. So he ended up like start talking to me, get to know me more. And then the next thing you know, he has to he's confess. In love with you. Three months later, he said, "I'm sorry, I cannot get Shirley back to you because I think I need to pursue her." So. Oh my god! And then the rest is history. Yeah. Oh my we're god. Married. Sure. Fifteen. Oh, and I love how much you guys love each other. Like again, I haven't known you that long, but it's so it's so obvious. I think it's very sweet because it's not when it, you know there's those couples that are like, okay, calm down. Because they're like, <laughs> my love, my every, and that's great. It's but it's it's a little like it's too extra. <laughs> and but it, <laughs> exactly that. Who does that nowadays? People people do it. Um, damn. Okay, so I don't I don't care. We're gonna go on a little bit more. So we're at like the the twenty minute mark. Don't care. It's my podcast. Do what I want. But. I kind of want to touch upon the career because you've been on Top Chef um, two, two seasons, and I heard I was because I remember I listened to when you spoke with Jeff Yang and Phil Yu on mm-hmm. Angry on the um, they call us Bruce podcast, and you're reflecting on how you were pursued to be on Top Chef. So you like fast forward, you started, you went to culinary school, you're kicking ass, you worked at Gary Danko. Well, so when I was in col- uh, culinary school, I always know that you need to start high, right? So mm-hmm. when I was in car- uh, culinary school, I worked for free in Gary Danko for almost a year every single weekend, yeah, to like get a position. I also know. Because I never working in the professional kitchen, Chinese or Asian or Western kitchen, like I never even been stepped into a professional kitchen before. Before I set up a culinary school, uh, and then after that, but I was fortunate enough to get externship at French Laundry. Ended up having a job, getting a job in Bouchang, Yangville, which is. Back then, Thomas Keller was number one, and he's still till this day. I still look at him as sort of like idol. Yeah, chef. I mean, if okay, if you're not in the culinary world, I just going to give a little tip. Like French Laundry, you had to. To make reservations months in yeah. advance if you got lucky it's it was been the open thing. for like how many 15 almost 20 coming up almost like 20 years actually exactly. actually over 20 years already and it's, it's still, still that it's yep. still that and my friends still like put it on instagram and facebook like i got in like i got a meal at french laundry and like bouchon and like those were all like the top restaurants and so you were super persistent i heard the story i also want to kind of just like do shout out to they call us bruce because you can hear the extended version of that story mm-hmm. because you you showed the fuck up and you're just like 
hire me. I'm here. I'm good. I'm going to work. And you would drive up from the bay. Mind you, again, how long is that drive? Like one and a half hours. An hour and a half for a not guaranteed job for like people who are getting more annoyed of you by the day. But you're just like, no, I'm here. What's up? Let me work. And I don't know. I just like I have so much respect for that because I, I I'm gravitate towards people who make things happen. And I don't personally think that you went about it in a particularly obnoxious way. You just showed up and you're like, I'm here to work. Yeah. And they're like, why? Why are you? By then, going- I didn't know any other way but just show up. Because, yeah. You know, like I send them emails and I send them letters and I have re- letters of recommendation, but I don't hear any response. So I was like. I guess I just have to go knock on the door the old-fashioned way. But you also had the goods, and that's the difference, too. It's like you showed up, and not only you know, this like random like Chinese-American girl showing up at my door, but it's like you were a freaking trained, willing, professional chef. You know what I mean? So I think that's what makes the difference. Like You made your opportunity, but you had trained up until that point so that you could execute yeah. when you got there. A lot of times when you have opportunity, you have to capture it. But most importantly, I feel like you have to have the ability to capture it. Otherwise, you're just going to ruin your opportunity. Yeah. And then therefore that there's less opportunity come your way. Right. So, so that preparation, yeah. that preparation meets opportunity. That's the good luck. Yeah. So when you became, when you're, so you're working and building your chef career, like the one thing that I really just want to take a second, um, cause you're going to come back. We're going to, we have, we have so much more stuff to talk about, but like, you had worked with a lot. I mean, the chef, every movie and a lot of the shows that we see, it's still this big gender gap, right? And it's still this element of like just disregard or like diff- there's so many different ways that women are like kind of silenced or disregarded or condescended on. And you're talking about even from other women, right? You're saying that even when you advanced, you're saying that there are people that looked at you and said, oh, it's just because she like slept with somebody. Yep. I mean, it's very sad in in, the, in this industry, but I I, I feel it's get is getting it gotten a lot better. That's good. But I wanted to say ten years ago, when I when we opened Bouchon Las Vegas, and I was moving up quick, really quickly, and then so from because you're good, <laughs> yes, because I'm good, a hundred percent. I'm like a, you know, like and also I'm very disciplined. Like mm-hmm. like be a chef, you have to be really disciplined. Otherwise, you're not gonna go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So I was get promoted really quick to be a, a sous chef for Thomas Keller in Bouchon. And, and then mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. But I seemed, I was really happy. But at the same time, that you look at the way I am right now mm-hmm. in Bouchon, I'm very different. I'm very quiet. I don't say anything if I say something. It needs to be makes yes. sense. And because I don't want people to feel like I'm so, you know, like I have to put up face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I definitely get a lot of criticism. She said, I'm an arranging bitch and, you know, like super bossy, all this kind of thing. Attitude problem. People always complain. And then also when you, when you did speak up. Yeah. Because, or, or not even that one. I just normally discipline people because I'm a chef. I'm management. I have to discipline people, but, but people just don't want to take shit from a, a, a from, little Asian girl. From a little Asian girl. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. Right. Story. And then so I will have, you know, the, the, then there will be rumors going around that oh she got a position because you know like I slept with the executive chef and then also because the executive chef brought me from Vegas I mean not from Young Bell to Las Vegas to open so they always think that we have this special relationship I was like no I'm just one of the chefs that came from the original store this restaurant a lot of money because I'm good at Mm -hmm. my job there that's again it's I feel like you know a lot of the, the frustrations have become more vocalized so I get frustrated because I have my own story. I have my own things that I want to share and how much it has infuriated me. Or like even the other thing that you were talking about when you're talking to other women chef and saying that they had no... And again, you have your right to to want what you want you know not everyone needs to be the leader of the pack but at the same time when someone's like highly capable and you just see it patterns right it's patterns of like that women were shying away from being Mm -hmm. and having ambition in terms of advancing because they're like oh well yeah we talk about this exactly why would you want to deal with being the bitch boss but then at the same time that like for me like i don't understand because i remember i was talking to a lot of my female cooks and i tried to push them inspire them i was like look like like i'm a sous chef right now i'm really shooting for executive chef position let's all together and then make a bigger force to like be a be present and then show everybody the what we be can giving credit yeah. but a lot of a lot of my friends like they're my friends they will actually tell me that no we rather just want to be sous chef i think second in demand is second in command is good enough we don't want to be number one we don't want to be executive chef because we feel there's a lot more pressure and everything that will come with that we don't know if we can handle 
Mm. I mean, like that made me really sad, but at the same time, that I do respect yeah. their view, and I also knowing that because of this, it's definitely a hundred percent. There's still a battle every single day, right? Because the woman shop will have this kind of mentality, right? Why? Yeah. Why do we have to be the second class? Like we're better than men. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we can multitask like crazy. Like I can cook six different things and then still doing my computer work and make and then doing an ordering for my produce at the same time. I give that task to a male sous chef. They're not able to do that. They're very single minded. They're focused. Don't get they're, me wrong. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very focused. But I give them seven tasks. Tell them to complete together. No, they don't know how to do that. It's it's just a funny thing, and I've been grappling with that because I, I deal with um, different men and women. You know, running collaboration. Mm-hmm. I've worked with so many different generations, Asians, uh, ages, and ethnicities, and you know, backgrounds and everything, right? And 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 here's my thing is that, look, I'm not trying to force you to become ambitious or like force you to do something that you inherently don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But then when I see the patterns over and over again of why that is, mm. it's not lack of ambition. I know that they want to do better and progress. And it's the, it's the, the, fair. the disparity of challenges that you're going to face. And one of the other things that I learned when I was at Berkeley, um, I took a sociology of family class. Mm-hmm. And there's a book that I, I hope she's still alive. She was a really brilliant professor. She wrote several books on family. And one of her most popular books that changed kind of sociology and understanding family dynamics was called the second shift to say that a woman nowadays is working this she wrote this back in i think the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. but how the working woman is working and also still doing all the the primary like house upkeep child rearing so she's working essentially two full-time jobs that's shifted a lot now i'm not calling that that's how it is now but someone had to write that book to acknowledge that and so yeah if a woman has to deal with a lot of stuff in her own personal life to manage that disparity and then go into another industry where it's already that unfair disparity and how if you have any sort of authority and you're asserting yourself and being exactly what in the same manner as a man, but you are being interpreted and received differently. And then they're going to like label you as a bitch or like yeah. label you as like unreasonable or well, also, salty or whatever. What the hell is bossy? That's right? what I'm saying. Bossy only describe woman. Yeah. Why? Exactly. And then men, it's leaders. Yeah. <laughs> they leaders, no, no, no. Leaders. They could be straight up assholes too. And you're like, exactly. just a strong leader. Exactly. Because <laughs> before, like I get talked to a lot as mm. executive shops, right? Mm-hmm. They're always like, surely simmer down, calm down. I was like, I'm not going to drop my standard. <laughs> good for you do not drop that but, standard but, but literally like all the criticism will come in that oh she's such a bitch and so bossy blah blah where there's other chefs through spoons and through that's a pan at cooks because they're male and they don't get anything they're just like they're just a very stern boss I'm like uh, if uh. I throw spoon at people <sighs> I'm going to get crucified. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a lawsuit. You're going to get fired. And then someone's going to put a whole smear campaign through yep. the media. I'm just like, okay. You know, and I get, I'm acknowledging that we've gotten a lot better. But that that's just some, that's some like just ridiculous bullshit right there. And that's, and that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. And for me, here's my thing is that, look, I'm not, I don't want... I don't, I'm not really asking for pity or anything like that. I'm asking for like empathy. If you had any inkling of what it's like to deal with all these like microaggressions and then very obvious double standards, mm. it pissed you off too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's all I'm asking. And the, for me, I have two brothers. And so I've, I've seen in many different ways how we have double standards. And it goes both ways. I'm not saying that women have everything easier. It's just different ways, yep. right? But in terms of a professional setting, you would hope that like, there's equal, like there's respect given where respect is due. Like yes. you're good at your freaking job. You know how to run a business. You're profitable. You manage people well. You can multitask mm-hmm. and everyone has their different strengths. Yep. Even to this year, like stupid Pellets and Pellegrino literally just like released this young up and coming star chef from like however 50 countries or something. There's not even single picture of fucking female chef. Everybody's so mad right now. Like us, us industry like just happened two days ago. Like what the hell? Like what day is this today? Yeah. Really? Like we keep on constantly pushing to equality and then, you know, male and female. And then we were, we we're sort of on the winning streak. And then there's St. Pellegrino, which is when they publish World 50's best restaurant list is the list. You know, like we yeah. all respect yeah. that. And then yeah. they, they give us this bullshit. So we cannot respect that anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, but you're also identified like d- diving deeper. You did identify like that there are these women for their very valid reasons that don't want to advance. In that, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so that's I still feel like that's the 
place that we're at in a lot of ways is coming to terms with our own ambitions, our own goals, like being able to say, hey, honey, like I have this career I want to build. Is it cool? Like you need not even is it cool? Like I need you to help me mm-hmm. raise our children together. Whatever that com- like. Yeah, it's a hard it's, conversation. It's a but whole it's, thing. But I think it's quite new for yeah. us females in a way. But then I think it's definitely time for us to ask for help and tell our the other half go, you better contribute. This is for a sure. life together. For sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I don't, I'm like for me, I feel quite far away from marriage, but like, you know, down the road, that's what I want. And that's honestly for me as a woman and someone that has a lot of ambitions and wants to build my production company and want to, I want to act and I want to continue to do this, like this podcast and see friends and socialize and network. I, I'm not going to be available to do all the things. And honestly, that's something that really did worry me mm-hmm. and that worried my parents that like, they're like, we, we don't hate who you are as a person, but we're worried that the way that you are mm-hmm. is going to, you're not going to be able to have a life as a wife? Right. That I won't. Like a regular family, not that, regular family life. Regular family life and find a guy that can deal with that. Literally, that's how my mom has phrased it. I love her to death. She's the most amazing mother. And I, I honestly, well, I understand that, objectively understand where she's coming yeah. from. She's just like, I, I don't want to stifle you. But at the same time, you need to find, like, how are you going to find a guy? Like, cause, and that's her, like, commenting on men, too. She's like, I don't know who's going to put up with that. <laughs> and that, that, that messed me up in my head. I was like, wow, okay. So I, it made me scared, made me walk around worried, like, if I'm dating someone, literally. You don't and, want to show your true self because. Right. No. I know, no. I know that. I know in my head, yeah, no. Yeah. But in my heart, like, that's one of the fears that I'm still working on getting over because I'm just like, yeah, it's 2017 deal with it if you're a powerful man and i'm a powerful woman that's great we mm-hmm. can be great together and then i think we're kind of like ex- we're existing in like an old paradigm where like it's the old frame of mind where people had that mindset and i get it but also we need to evolve and yeah, grow out of it now this, the role for like male and female role in society constantly evolves so it's yeah. not a lot of time like the classic definition of family life and stuff it doesn't really fit yeah for nowadays anymore for so. s- yeah for sure oh my god i love you shirley I can talk to you forever this is amazing <laughs> um okay so we'll get into the it's okay there's always the other episodes for I'll sure just come back you will no, and then one thing i do like i'm curious just because this is a very current situation mm-hmm. but like i feel like it would be I feel like it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't at least touch upon it. But we can. I want you back so we can talk further about mm-hmm. it. But like in terms of like all the things that's happening with DACA, with the Dreamers right now, is super heartbreaking. And I remember I talked to you about this before, just about being an immigrant um, that you came from China and that like all these opportunities, how you view America. I had this conversation with my mom because of Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and we were talking about her views on racism. But this is, I mean, this is not necessarily even just racism per se, but just like the political atmosphere and why are you doing this to, to kids and like what? It's just like there's, it's there's, wrong. There's too much right now. Yes, it's too much. It's wrong. It doesn't matter. Like then there's like my other friends tell me that, oh, don't worry. That's just like a political direction. So ultimately, they're going to make it into a rule. So it's even a law. So it's even better. I was like, bullshit. But anyways, so, <laughs> so, you know, like I just feel like all this, this is people's life. Yeah. And that also is America's economy. Yeah. They contribute Both so much. Yes. Why do you want to do that? Just because of you wanted to go against something. You wanted to destroy previous um uh president's legacy right like i feel like it's it's just silly it's stupid yeah it's very disappointing it's very nonsensical so we really hope that like i don't know we everybody needs to really show up as much as we can to yeah. hope that congress make the right choice yeah but i think we need to apply time, pressure too well, that's a, that's a tough thing, honestly. And again, this is a separate episode and I have a lot of people that I have in mind to invite. But just try to talk about political apathy because sometimes you just feel like anything that you do, like, oh, if I call Congress, is it going to make a difference? You know, you know, that feeling of like, what can I do that's actually going to change anything? I feel just show up. Anything you do, every little things you do, be very yeah. vocal about it. Like before, you know, like I'm, I'm really private yeah. in a way that I wasn't really big in social media, but I definitely see that how it influenced people. And I also realized that how my point of view but I can actually touch a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm a lot more aggressive when it comes to really voice my, my, my opinion on, on, on social media. I'm an immigrant. Uh, and I, I, we came here. My family came here multiple times. Yeah, right. Like yeah, we moved away, back and forth. Back and forth. I mean, like 
we we're established in China that we we can have a great life. But my my parent my my parents made a choice of moving to America because we believe in freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. This is America. That's why we're here. Yeah. Like one of the most important thing. And then a lot of immigrants actually just about every single immigrant love America because of this. Yeah. And then we care and about they America. Yes, we care and then contribute to America probably more than we do in our own home home country. Actually, a hundred percent more than what we contributing to our home like. Where we came from, so so when I feel this almost hate towards immigrant, that make me really sad. Yeah, because ultimately we all we're immigrant. None of us we chose like we all chose to move to America. And for the dreamers, like they didn't choose, but they still like they grew. This is their country because just because their parents wants them to have a better future. Their parents want them to have freedom of choice, like my parents did. Right, so. There is nothing wrong with pursue a better life. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's there's a lot. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on immigration reform. That honestly, I mm-hmm. feel very uneducated to speak about. But specifically about the dreamers. I mean, these are kids that that had no. They had no choice. They had no in, in right being, before. Yeah, and then they they came here and they they are now contributing, working educated mm-hmm. citizens so because I mean they're, they're, oh, they should be citizens and then they had not only that they have to like dreamers to apply dreams is really hard your yeah. GPA has to like hit certain amount you have to be in school and then like they and they do background checks exactly, for like your criminal crazy. record everything like they have to they make sure that you're like the eli- you're the best of the best and yeah. then they make then they 800,000 of them then they now, grant your dreamers Ugh. and now they're fearing for their lives so anyway i just yeah i wanted to touch upon that and we can talk uh, there's so much more to yeah, talk about i, I with will you. not stop with um that. and i'm grateful that you do because you're a very powerful force like clearly i think your story is incredible the life that you've led and you you don't do it for a show but everyone's just intrigued by you and i think that's what captivated everybody when everyone saw you on top chef it's not just about how good of a chef you are because there's a lot of meaning behind what you make which is you coming to terms with your identity as a Chinese person mm-hmm. and embracing the cuisine and everything. So you guys need to just know more about Shirley. I've learned <laughs> so much just being around her and also watching your clips and seeing how you operate in the kitchen and watching you making a video with you, <laughs> watching you handle that fish was just magic. When you cut that, I was like, damn, that's a sharp ass knife. It's crazy. And you made this fish like so deliciously. I'm just still like, just love it. But, um, uh, I hate to have to cut that feature next segment time, next, time. But next time and we'll go into our IMO segment now because we have a question from one of our uh, audi- our listeners this is from Jennifer Volet who's actually a friend of mine and she listens to the podcast and I love you Jenny you're the best she wanted to ask a question for us um, how do you deal with fake people well first of all <laughs> is to identify who's fake yeah right so I feel like a lot of people like a slightly tone death should I, is that the tone word? deaf tone yeah. deaf yeah. is that yeah so like a lot of times like people nice to you or like or put up a frown and they don't really identify and they really buy into that like for me i'm like a brutally honest person that's almost sometimes really painful that i have to stop <laughs> myself being so honest you know like so my mom said that to me she's like you're you're too honest you need yeah. to stop that. Like, yes. So honest is great, but I do now I do realize sometimes you're brutally honest and don't know how to deliver your honest yeah, opinion. Yeah. It can it. can sometimes become unintentionally hurtful. But for me, I rather take a very brutally honest criticism than a very fake, fake. Oh, everything's so great. You're like the most amazing person in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um so for me is First of all, like I have to because I when I find out people being fake to me, I just have this very uncomfortable feeling. So the yeah. first thing I have to deal with myself is remind myself that I do not put on my face to show them that I can read them off the bed and I I dislike <laughs> them. So you gotta kind of like gotta put up. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. You, you to face fake. the fake person, you have to counter with them being fake, not so being. Very unfortunate, but yeah. I feel like this is o- almost like the only way to do because a yeah. lot of times fake people always have have their sort of agenda, yeah, like hidden agenda. That's why they're being so fake. Yeah, so you you sort of want to like step back. How just do you a lead that bit? though? Because like, okay, first of all, I live in LA, and this is like the the reason why. I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area, like you, and like I was programmed from a young age to really have a certain attitude towards Los Angeles. 
And living here, I understand that. I personally really love LA and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be here for a really, really long time. But I get it. And it's because Hollywood, right? And I'm in the entertainment industry. So are you. But understanding we're around fakeness pretty frequently because everybody is an opportunist. They're always yes. trying to get the next thing. So then it's, it's so I'm, I'm curious about how you do because for me, <laughs> I've, I love friendly people and I, the, people uh, always compliment Californians as that they're very friendly and very mm-hmm. nice and as opposed to like New Yorkers who are a little bit more abrupt and like more in your face and more no bullshit about everything so I appreciate friendliness I, I like people who are smiley and nice mm-hmm. but then I guess for me um, it's the types of questions that they ask and the types of things you have to pay attention to what people are saying it tells you a lot about um what, are they genuine what, what, or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also kind of like even all those um, unspoken things, like just your tone of voice too, the way you look at somebody, your body language, your body language, your eyes. Yeah, your look eyes. at your eyes. <laughs> I mean, if there's a life skill to learn, I think it's to really distinguish, right? Like you're saying, you have to mm-hmm. identify it. That's the first and foremost important thing to deal with fake people. Is like you got to be able to see when they're being fake or not. Sometimes that that means you're gonna have to deal with some painful situations yeah. yeah you have to i i i also realized that you have to make the decision of <laughs> like once you identify you have to make the decision of like how, like how do you want to go after that you can be fake with them or you can actually reject the friendship but is it worth it so there's definitely a lot i, I don't think there is one way to deal with fake people but i think most important the first step is really identify yeah to realize who's genuine who's fake right? who has your back exactly and the funny thing is i think with social media there's like li- there's different signals that I think we're picking up on more and more because we see more of each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like before social media, you'd have maybe like a handful of interactions with somebody and then never see them again. Or like you see them once every year or whatever. But now it's like you see all their, all their shit all the time, which is overwhelming. But then you have to, all these layers through it. It's filtered through that and be able to see like, okay, well this person, there are times where I heard people in LA, you know, we all have different, we don't like everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't like everybody. There's people I really don't like. And um, and what I try to do to not be fake, sorry, this is a sidebar, but to not be fake, one of the things that I, I really want to come from a genuine place, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my uh, integrity. Mm-hmm. I work on it sometimes. Trust me, I've lied to people's faces before. I don't feel good about it. But one of the ways I try to maintain integrity is find something that you can genuinely speak positively on. Mm-hmm say that and don't say anything else <laughs> so that for me the fakeness comes where i'm saying stuff i don't mean yep like oh my god i think you're the nicest person or i think you're so honest or i think you're so like i don't say that but i'm like man you've been working really hard on xyz that's really dope like congratulations and that's really amazing that you work so hard like i'll find that one thing and i'll stick to it because i don't if i start talking about other stuff it's gonna start i'm gonna be a liar i'm gonna be the fake person that i don't like so that's one way that i deal with it and that's a total sidebar. But <laughs> I mean, the different interactions tell me different things. Yeah, for me, is like um, before I didn't like the, my only way to deal with. I was really bad. Sometimes I, I literally like called them out <laughs> when I was younger. Okay, it's really bad. No, that's why. That's why I definitely didn't have like. I definitely have some frenemies, uh-huh. especially in career, right? Uh-huh. Like because a lot of times for me, I'm a, I'm a straight shooter, so I was like, I call y'all off the bat, and then but then as I'm getting older, like I realized that it's not gonna, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like a social skill that yeah, you yeah. shouldn't do that, yeah, because you ruin relationship, and also a lot of times you have to think about why they why they're being fake to you. Either you have value to them, mm-hmm. right, or you know, like or they're kind of like those t- type of people. They're kind of insecure, so they want to please people all that, you know. So so yeah, like yeah, yeah. a lot of times for me yeah. to step back to think about why they're being fake that I don't get too so angry about it. True. Very and, true. Right? So I'll be like I can deal with it a lot better. Yeah. Not necessarily that I like for those if I can identify your type of fake person I immediately know that most likely we're not going to be best friends because right. our personality is not going to get along. Yeah. And and then but if game it's recognize game fake yep. recognize fake. If, but if it's just <laughs> professional all those sort of things then you just be careful. Yeah. That's very true mm-hmm. and and that's part of the thing with people who are brutally honest you got to kind of like measure 
your energy like how much how much how much honesty gonna, yeah can people handle and how much are you going to invest in somebody if you already yeah. recognize again that's why identifying them is important then you're going to say like you know what this person i at this point in time this this interaction we're not on the same page mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna get too far into this don't yep. don't don't, don't put spend too eggs, much energy yeah don't put your eggs in that basket then yep. you know and that's hard that's that's growing up and maturing and then also i think coming back to what you're saying like when you're honest and like people at different levels can appreciate that it actually can help it's it's a very symbiotic relationship so then you can like find a way to meet somewhere on some connection or some so you're not being a fake person in either scenario yep but that takes work so again um that's our that's our collective way of dealing with fake people (laughs) be real yourself but also identify when they're being fake and then figure out how much you want to invest your time invest and interact yeah Oh my gosh. So that is episode 10 of First of All. Thank you so much, Shirley. I love you. No, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, we'll come back to finish the chit chat. Oh, we have so (laughs) much more to talk about. So um, if you are a fan of First of All, I hope that you will subscribe on Apple Podcasts. uh, You can also find us on Google Play Music, Radio Public, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you find your podcast. I don't know if we are on um, Spotify yet. Are we on Spotify yet? Not yet, but we will be soon. And Shirley, where can we find more about you? So you guys can follow me on social media, uh, Instagram. Uh, I use Chef Shirley Chung, but I spell it weird. So I spell it C-H-F Shirley Chung. Okay. Um, like follow me there. I pretty much tell my stories. And put up amazing food pictures. Uh, yes, I eat a lot. Oh I travel God. a lot. I cook a lot. And then you will see my dog and my husband. So it was like pretty much is my life. And then I just put it out there for everybody to see and we love it we love it and if you want to follow first of all you can uh, follow us on twitter and instagram at at first of all pod and then you can email me um you can also always comment um hit me up on those two on twitter and instagram but you can also email me at first of all pod at gmail.com and i'm working on some shirts there's some merch that i want to make just for funsies i was very like crafty and i draw a lot so i was like let's make some fun stuff that's coming your way very soon um and yeah if you want to follow my personal instagram it's at minjeezy m-i-n-j-e-e-z-y and thank you to my producer marvin yue for always being the rock that keeps this the glue that keeps us all together and uh, thank you to Travis Atreo for his song Set Free his updated version um, is now up on iTunes it was live since September 1st so you can go download that support him he's an amazing artist and a dear friend and just so grateful to feature his music sidebar I helped inspire that song <laughs> um, but it's, it really makes me like get weepy but anyway thank you guys so much um, oh one last thing if you are interested in becoming a patron um, I do have a Patreon page where you can support the channel help us uh, get more equipment and and video stuff and um, so I can vlog more <laughs> that's one of my goals I'm gonna do it this weekend but um, I create extra content just for my Patreon supporters so if you go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast you can become a patron there and support this channel so that will do it for episode 10 we'll see you next week and have an amazing day stay safe and warm and love and hugs to you all thank you first of all is part of the potluck podcast collective a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the asian american community please check out our website podcastpotluck.com and check out some of the other amazing podcasts out there, including Collabcast, which is the other podcast that I host, along with Marvin Yue, for Collaboration, a nonprofit supporting Asian American artists. Check it out. Good stuff out there. Thanks for listening. She gets her bags out, pack her soon enough, it's time. To let go of all she sees Her heart is hurting knowing well that it's alright Cause life is more than just a memory She said, it's time, I'm ready to go I'm leaving my tears on the side of the road Cause this ain't how life's supposed to